0: Good morning, church!
1: Good morning.
0: Y'all doing okay? Yes, sir. I'm a little loud. I'm a a lot loud, huh? All right. You know, um, when I started preaching, I was 19 years old, and we went from a church uh, that was pretty good size and and started a church plant, and me and Jacqueline went there, and uh, y'all know how many people was there? Seven. Who knew that? seven people including me and Jacqueline and then there was another family of two with a little kid and one more person and so I think that makes seven and uh, I tell you um, the Lord did something amazing in that church and uh, there were a lot of people that never been to church before and and it started growing those seven were core members and so they had been but we we started praying together and we started asking the Lord Lord what do you want to do in this little town this little community this little city area it was inner city and We prayed, and we prayed, and we just started meeting, and we preached, and some days we'd have seven people, and some days we'd have 15, some days we'd have 20, and then it started to grow, and it wasn't just um, people coming from other churches, it was first-time believers that started uh, uh, coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, and, and we got up to about 70 people in three years there, and it was just uh, awesome because of the culture that that happened. Um, the, I mean, I'm talking probably 80% of the people there had never been to church before until they started coming to our church, and so you're talking about a, a crazy environment. Y'all have heard me share stories before about it, but um, I just, uh, coming up here, I know uh, half of our church is quarantined right now, and uh, uh, we got a smaller crowd, but you know, it brings me back to some sweet, sweet memories I had that uh, the Lord's always been faithful, and so y'all just say amen to that. Amen. And so uh, we're going to praise Him, and we're going to lift up His name always. And i got a couple announcements just for you all to uh, be aware of. Family ministry launch is still on. That's November 29th. We're still going to do that. We're not going to have the games and stuff outside and and together, though, but we will do our family ministry launch. We'll still have a good time with that. Um, Looking for ways that we're still praying that God's going to open up our kids' ministries and our Sunday school's back up soon, Lord willing. we'll, We'll play around with that and see how that goes and just seek the Lord as a as um, we just ask him, what is he doing? What's he want? And so, if you're interested in helping with ch- children, though, make sure you let us know, and that way we can get you plugged in, and then just pray. Let's just pray for our community. We're experiencing a spike right now. A lot of, I mean, we had 12 people that all sat in the same area last um, two weeks ago that all uh, became positives, and, and uh, you got their families, and our school's dealing with a lot of things right now, and praise God, everyone's doing well, just tired, sick, and and um, but uh, very much like the flu, but Uh, You know, it's still tough, still hard to walk through that. And so we're going to just ask the Lord to bless today and bless our community. So, Father God, Lord, we trust you, Lord. You are mighty and and powerful, God. Lord, you're at work. You tell us the gates of hell can't prevail. I mean, the church, that that even the gates of hell can't do anything against it, God. I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, that what you're doing here, even this morning, is special, spectacular, Lord. Lord, it's God-sized, Lord. Um, What you do in our hearts today will... uh, uh, take effect for eternity, Lord, and, and change lives, God, and I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for those that are not able to be here this morning because they're uh, quarantined, Lord. I lift up uh, their families uh, to you, Lord. Um, I thank you for uh, Wayne getting out of the hospital and and uh, doing better and Judy doing better. I continue to lift up Miss Jeanette as she's struggling with this, Lord, and I, I just uh, pray for all those uh, that, that um, are affected, Lord, uh, today, and Lord, I just ask that Your mercy would be upon them. Lord, I I think about uh, some of the other ones that are struggling from areas outside, like Dean, Lord, uh, uh, Dwayne's cousin. I lift him up to you, Lord, and just ask for your special touch of grace today, Lord. I I pray for Wayne Thornton today. Lord, as uh, he had uh, hard news this last week, and I just pray for uh, a touch of peace and and grace to be shown, Lord, and, and joy even in the midst of everything going on, God, that you would just bless that family right now, Lord. Lord, today as we worship you, May it be what we've asked it to be, Lord, something God-sized, Lord, uh, that you would be um, glorified and exalted in the name of Christ. We pray, Amen.
1: Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace in the mansion bright and blessed. He'll prepare for us a place when we all to heaven. What a day of rejoicing all be to heaven. heaven. What a day of rejoicing mm-hmm. that will be. If we we'll 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 all we'll see Jesus, we'll sing mm-hmm. and shout the victory. Mm-hmm. Victory. Come to you this morning, Lord, and uh, Lord, thank you for the many blessings you give us, God. Lord, just uh, thank you for letting us be in your house and praising your name today, Lord. Thank you for the group that's here, Lord. Uh, again, I'm with Brother J. I just lift all those up that couldn't make it today, Lord, on account of the sickness. I just pray that your will, God, that you heal them, see them back here safely, and uh, be with us as we go through the rest of this this, this service, Lord, and. Uh, I just lift Brother Jerry up to you, Lord, and let the Holy Spirit speak to him through this message this morning. We ask this thing in your son's precious name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, there ain't no sense of me saying nothing about the offering, but y'all know to put it in that little <laughs> hole back there in the back. Still says, Great is your faithfulness, your faith.
0: Father God, Lord, we just do do that very thing. We come to your altar, Lord. We seek your face this morning, Lord. God, and we know we meet you with opened arms, God. Lord, what a blessing it is to worship you and to serve you and to glorify the name of Jesus this morning. And So God, I just pray that you just place all of our hearts right now, Lord, uh, before you and uh, what you want to do, Lord. We uh, just give ourselves to you in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, church? Amen, church? There we go. I'm going to need you all this morning. You know, last Sunday we talked about... uh, or I guess it was two Sundays ago, we talked about this awakening that was to happen, right? This huge awakening that happened in Ephesus. And it was really exciting to see what God did there in Ephesus. As we walked through that, it was really encouraging to see God move. And he moved through just simple um, discipleship. The, uh, you saw Paul and his friends were just making disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And so it was very exciting to, to see how that in itself turned into God moving a whole city from Idols to himself is what we really see happening It's very exciting to see that. And so um, you are confusing me back here. Y'all just uh, chilling. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Yes, I understand. We're praying for you, too, Tammy. Okay. And you got your little support back here, too. Praise the Lord. All right. I just just checking. I need to figure out what's going on. So we saw last week, two weeks ago, this awakening happen. And we saw God take, and through his gospel, change hearts, literally changed hearts, changed lives. People were, were um, getting rid of their whole careers. They, they had burned all the magic books, it says. They were literally turned from all these idols, turning to God and, and, and magnifying the name of the Lord. It was really exciting to see the same type of awakening that we want to see here in our community. Amen? There we go. The same awakening we want to see ac- that sweep across our nation, across our globe. We want to see that. But you think when you looked at the end of that passage, it didn't end um, all pleasantly, did it? It didn't end with them all holding hands and singing amazing grace. Um, it didn't end with uh, just a, a huge gathering of, of just them lifting up the name of Jesus after an awakening after seeing God move like that. You think that might be the way it would end, but it didn't. In fact, it ended slightly different. It ended with a huge crowd, a crowd that was um, really full of wrath and anger, and they were confused. It said, and they were going from this this group of people that literally turned from idols and 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 magnifying the name of the Lord. Now they're all gathered together, yelling, chanting in a way. They're chanting, "Great is the the goddess of Diana of Ephesians. Great is this goddess. And so now the same group of people that we just saw worshiping and, and gathering around, and, and turning to Christ, and, and, and just seemed like God was at work all the way around them, now we come to this, this place of where there's a huge riot, is what it's described as in the scriptures, a riot, a group of people struggling, and I think about that, and, I, you, and the only reason it broke up was because there was a city clerk, you remember he said, um, there's too much commotion going on for not a good enough reason, you're causing attention to us, in fact, let's just shut this whole thing down, that's the only reason this whole confused riot shuts down, and so then we see it's dismissed and that's where we're going to pick up today so here we had a huge movement of God in a whole city people changing lives God changing lives changing hearts we see um, from idols to God all this is happening and you would expect this huge grander uh, uh, experience at the end but instead we see a group of people that are full of wrath and chanting great is this goddess and so my question that I have for us this morning is, so what are we supposed to do now? What are we supposed to do now? You think about Paul. What is he supposed to do now? I mean, saw God work mightily, huge. No, no way of denying God's work. And then it just seems like this huge roadblock comes up. What are we supposed to do now? Think about Paul for a moment. He had spent three years in Ephesus. Three whole years he spent in the city. And you think about his journey there. We just read about that. It, he literally was there and right off the beginning, he found some of these disciples. They had heard just part of the gospel story, remember? And, and all of a sudden, Paul says, no, you've got to hear the rest about the Holy Spirit, about Christ crucified and, and raised from the grave and the Holy Spirit showering upon. He says, you've got to hear the whole story. And so he starts sharing the story, the gospel, the good news, and people's hearts starts changing and and they're transformed. They're given new hearts and the Holy Spirit starts indwelling these believers. And then we saw where he preached for three months in the synagogue. And then for two years after that, he went to this university type deal and taught daily in this college, this school there's no doubt God was working tremendously to the point that the sick were healed. The Lord's name was magnified. Many were confessing, believing in Christ. Magic books totaling 50,000 pieces of silver, the scripture tells us. were all burned in front of one another. Said no more to that. We're going to Christ. Said at the end, it says, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So after everything Paul had witnessed, he knew God was working big time. And then out of nowhere, bam, A huge crowd of confused people shouting, great is this goddess of Diana. So what is he supposed to do now? And I I pose that question this way because this is where I found myself, church. If I can just be honest with you a little bit, um, just genuine, real with you. I've asked myself, what am I supposed to do, Lord? You all asked yourself that lately? (laughs) Lord, what am I supposed to do? You know, I relate to Paul here. He would spent three years in Ephesus. Y'all realize this the first of this month has been three years that me and Jacqueline have been here with y'all at Friendship here in Blackfoot, Texas. You know, three years. I relate to that a lot. He spent three years investing into the lives of those at Ephesus. And I've spent the last three years investing into our lives together and seeing God move. And there's no doubt that we've seen Him move. Amen? And you think about just as, just as you saw with Paul, he gets there, there was a Priscilla and Aquila there that was working with Apollos, you remember? And, and, and just like he goes there and shares the full gospel, they share the full gospel with him and he gets saved. And, and he goes off and he's a missionary. And I think just like me coming here to Friendship, before I ever got here, God was at work. He was mightily at work. We saw that he was, was, was uh, sending missionaries up out of here. We saw many pastors ordained here in our church and sent out to other churches. Praise God. And you think about that happening just like, I came in, just like Paul came into that setting, I kind of came into that setting with awesome men and women of faith sharing Christ and Him crucified. And quickly though, we started watching God move more and more just like He did in Ephesus. We saw where people had realized they'd only heard part of the gospel story and they, they really wanted to dig deeper into this good news of Christ and God changes their hearts. We've seen it, church. We've seen His name glorified and magnified in our community. There's no doubt we have seen God work in these last three years. However, we look around today and we think, how did we get here? I mean, look around, church. You think, how did we get here? Not just here in Blackfoot, but around our nation. It's not just us. It's everywhere. How did we get here? What are we supposed to do now? It seems like in our community, the Cases of COVID are spiking. And that causes this crowd that I was talking about of confusion. You have some that are on this side that, that are so terrified they haven't left their houses since March. And you have this group on this side that says we shouldn't change anything. It's all hoax. We just go about life normally. And then in the midst of all of it, you have this huge group of just confused people. Amen? What are we supposed to do with this? You look at our church. There's people that feel like, well, we probably shouldn't even be opened up today. And there's people that say, well, we shouldn't even worry about it at all. Let's just go about it normally. And then you have a group that says, I'm confused. I <laughs> don't know. What about our nation? Our nation's political sphere is nothing less than a crowd of confused people. That's the best way I know how to put it today. Nothing less than confused. You have a group that say, well, this election has been nothing but a corruption. You have a group that says this election has been the safest and securest thing we've ever seen since the beginning of time. And you have a big group that says, I'm confused. Church, I find myself here today wondering the same question. What am I supposed to do now? Maybe in your own personal life, Maybe in your life, you've went through the last several days or weeks or months or years or decades and you've seen God move mightily in your life. You've seen Him just just amazingly moving and, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam! And you find yourself in this state of confusion. And whether that came from a diagnosis or whether it came from a loss of a job or whether it came from a loss of a loved one or a number of other things, you find yourself literally standing or more so even buckled on the ground in a state of confusion. My point is, here we are. We've witnessed firsthand the work of God in a mighty, mighty way. And it's been a blessing to be a part of that experience. Amen, church? However, today we might look around and we might wonder, how did we get here? We might be tempted to think, is God still working in the way that He was? Well, church, He is. He is. Amen? God's at work this morning. Amen? Is God at work in your heart this morning? I know He is. So here we come to this question, what am I supposed to do now? And this has really been my prayer, and so kind of less than a sermon this morning, it's just kind of worked out this way, rather than just a regular sermon, the Lord had really laid on my heart to share with you kind of an insight to my prayer life, kind of insight to a prayer that I've been praying, this very question, Lord, what am I supposed to do now? And I think that He'd given me this to share with you all because I'm not the only one asking it. I think we're all asking this question. What are we supposed to do? And I've sought the Lord. I've begged for the Lord's direction as a husband. Lord, how do you want me to provide for my, my family? How do you want me to lead my wife? How do you want me to prepare in a place like this? What do you, what do you want, Lord? As a, as a man that's about to become a foster dad. Lord, what do you want me to do? How, how do you want me to foster children in a broken children in a world that's bro- more broken than it ever has been, it seems like? Lord, how do you want me to move forward with this? Lord, as a pastor of a a church, the one in which you've called me to to oversee, Lord, how do you want me to pastor our church? Lord, how do you want me to lead our church through some trialing times? Lord, how do you want me to lead our deacons in serving our body here at Friendship? Lord, how do you want me to to promote unity amidst a group in which there's so much divisive stuff from the smallest to the largest of things in life it just seems to divide us? Lord, how do you want me to do this? Lord, what do you want me to do now? What are we supposed to do now? So as I was praying that, I come to Acts chapter 20. It's not like uh, it just flipped open to Acts 20. That's where we are. We, We preached Acts 19 last week and this week's Acts 20. But you know how God's just good sometimes? And that same question I've been asking and praying and begging for direction, it's just like, here it is. And so in this passage in Acts 20, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles there to Acts 20. I feel like we see God answer this very question. What are we supposed to do now? And I feel like He gives us 12 answers. 12. He didn't just give me three like He normally does. (laughs) 12 different points this morning in which we're going to be reminded of how God wants us to take the next step the first one what am i supposed to do now the first one we are to know that our plans can change but god's providence does not our plans can change but god's providence does not we see this happen with paul as we pick up right after this whole huge confused crowd dismisses we're going to pick up right there in acts chapter 20 verse 1 if you're there say amen All right, look at it with me. Verse 1, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself. He embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. And now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece, most likely Corinth at this place. And he stayed there three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria on his way to Jerusalem, he decided to return through Macedonia. So the first thing I want us to see is after this huge crowd, this uproar, this this upheaval and confusion, what does Paul do? He says, y'all bring it in. I'm going to give you a hug. (laughs) It's okay. I know everything seems like it's a mess right now, but it's okay. The Lord's got us. He embraces them. He encourages them them as he's about to depart if you remember Paul was already about to leave it said that he was about to go and he had already actually sent Timothy and Erastus ahead of him to go to the next place and so he's about to leave this commotion comes up he's still planning on leaving he's planning on going to Jerusalem and then to Rome and and Rome we know is where uh, Paul breathes his last breath as he's um, killed in Rome and so here we have this journey that he's on this last missionary journey and we see him about to head to Syria it tells us but then he catches wind of this plot and uh, it's, it's most likely that we're just going to throw him overboard on the midst of, of traveling to Syria. Whatever the plot was, it wasn't good for Paul. And so instead of traveling down through the Mediterranean Sea, he goes back the way he came up through Macedonia and over to Asia and then he's going to travel through the Mediterranean Sea. And so he starts working through this plan. But the thing I want us to see, let's just pause for a moment, is his plan changed. Has y'all's plans ever changed? <laughs> His plan changed, but his mission was the same. He was going to Jerusalem. He knew that's where he was supposed to go. His mission was the same, but how he got there was going to be a little different. And you often hear me say that our mission is still the same. Whatever we got going on in the midst of everything going on, church, our mission is the same. We are to glorify God through making disciples. That's our mission. We too often know, have change of plans. You know, I plan to be an engineer Jacqueline planned to be a teacher and then she planned to be a social worker. And now we're all um, we're both in the ministry. You know, I'd planned to after I got done with seminary, I'd planned to go back to Indiana to pastor the church that I left. But instead, I get a call from a little church near Montalba Alba that I don't even know uh, how to find on the map. <laughs> and we find ourselves here as a church we planned some big things in 2020 we were so excited about growing our Sunday school getting into some homes having home groups getting community together and guess what things have changed just a little bit our plans change but the thing that I want us to be aware of that I feel like God is answering this question for us today is there's one thing that doesn't change and that is God's providence His providence does not change. We sung about it this morning. He promises to never leave us, forsake us. He promises to be there with us to the end of the age. He promises that all things work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. He promises those things to be there with us, that He would finish a work that He started in us. He promises that. This idea coined a phrase in the early church, it was deus pro nobis simply meant God for us. He said God for us. That's what they'd say in the church. God's for us. Just like Paul said in Romans, he said, if God's for us, who can be against us? He's for us. You know He's for us today? God's for us. I love the first time we really see this in Scripture. If you go back to the Old Testament, Genesis 22 is the first place we really see um, it, it explained in detail, you know, God's always been a provider. He provided as soon as Adam and Eve uh, uh, fell and, and, and we saw sin come into the world, He provided them clothing. And, and we see this provision that He promises that uh, uh, one's going to come, an offspring's going to come, that will uh, the, the serpent would bruise his heel, but he'd crush his head. So God's always been a provider. But we see it very clearly in Genesis 22, that little story with Abraham and Isaac, you remember where they're going up and they're going to have this sacrifice and it's, it's one of the most interesting stories to me because it, it just points so much to Christ. You see, this, this dad's about to sacrifice his son. A father's going to sacrifice his son. Don't that sound familiar, church? And so we see this pointing forward to Christ and, and then but in that mix there's something else that we've got to draw out of it. You see Abraham and Isaac's there getting all the stuff ready for the sacrifice and uh, Isaac kind of starts thinking. He's like, um, I see we have wood. I see we have the things to make the fire. The rope to tie the ram or the lamb or whatever it is we're going to be sacrificing. Where's the lamb? He says, Dad... Where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice? And Abraham says something that that should stick out to us today. He says, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. He actually says God will provide himself a lamb, pointing to the ultimate lamb of Christ that he provides. So know that while our plans change, His providence does not. The second answer to this question, what are we supposed to do now? It comes straight through the Scripture. I told you this is just really God opening His Word and saying, here's my voice to you this morning. And that's the second thing we're going to see here is we are to work together as partners of the gospel. Look at verse 4 with me. We're to work together as partners of the gospel. It's something we see over and over again with Paul. It says in verse 4, And Sopater of Berea accompanied him to Asia, and Aristarchus and Secundus of Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy and Tychicus of Trophimus. Of Asia, these men going ahead waited for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, the Passover here, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. So I think we might be tempted sometimes to think of Paul as this awesome um, one-man miracle show that goes around and and literally um, shares Christ to the entire Roman Empire, and and he pretty much does that. Yeah, the Lord uses him to do that, but he's never alone in it. If you read through Acts, as we have, and if you look at the letters over and over again, you see all these people that are with him. This very passage names like eight people or six, seven people that that are all with him, that he's picked up in all these different towns, all those towns that are mentioned. That's on his journey. He picks them up and he starts sharing Christ with them. There's missionaries that are born. And the thing that I love about it is when you look at even this passage here, you see that it's a total um, mix of class. These people are as different as they can be, but they're united in one thing. They're united in the gospel of Christ. They're partners for the gospel. We see slaves mention this passage. Most likely the name Secundus is a slave because he, uh, that the word literally means second. And so a slave, when they had children, instead of naming the, their names, oftentimes they'd just call the first one first, the second one second, the third one third. We need to bring that back today, don't we? Um, this idea that, that he's a slave, secundus. And we know that Paul worked with slaves too. If you read Philemon, he, he worked with a slave called Onesimus. And so we know that um, through classes, the gospel united this group. And so we too, church, must be united for the sake of the gospel. Third answer to this question. We're rolling right through. What are we supposed to do now? We must recognize that gathering together is important. Recognize that gathering together is important. Look at verse 7 with me. This is one of the most interesting passages. Now on the first day of the week, Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. As Paul continued speaking, he fell down the third story from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, and said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, he had broken bread and eaten. And, t- and talked a long while, even till daybreak he departed, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Very uh, interesting passage here. We see, first off, the church is gathered. It says on the first day of the week, this is the day the Lord raised from the, the grave. This is the day that they started meeting. They went from Saturday, the Sabbath, to Sunday because they wanted to rejoice in the resurrection of Christ. And so here they're meeting, they're gathered together, they're taking the Lord's Supper, usually... Um, done at this time with another meal uh, including in it and so they were taken of the Lord's Supper meal along with the elements and you see that uh, they'd all come together Paul preaches a long message he gets long-winded and he preaches till midnight it says till midnight can you imagine and Luke kind of sets the stage he says you know um it was late it was uh, <laughs> uh there was candles lamps um, all around it's cozy right he says in that setting he says there's a young man Oh, Eutychus. And he was fighting the nod. You all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you are fighting it right now. Are you with me? Have you ever had that? You're wanting to stay awake so much. You're really there. And it just goes. Poor Eutychus. That's the language it's using. A gradual fall asleep. He's gradually going into this place. And he falls asleep. And unfortunately, which is interesting because his name means fortunately, he falls out of a window three stories high and dies. Are you kidding me? What does Paul do? He says, hold on, y'all, just just a second, because he's from Texas. He said, y'all, hold on. Walks down, falls on him, embraces him and says, don't worry, there is life in him. Obviously, he was just dead, but he says, don't worry, there's life in him. So, make sure you are getting this with me. Paul is preaching. They're eating the Lord's Supper. They, then he preaches till midnight, hours of preaching and, and teaching. And then a man falls asleep while he's preaching. Paul continues to speak, continues to preach. The man falls out of a three story window. Paul goes down, raises him back to life through the Spirit. Then he comes back up, and you'd think he'd call it a day. No, he says, Let's get back into the Word. And he preaches again till daybreak. Another six or seven hours he preaches. I mean, are you kidding me? I love this passage because it just gives us this little insight of the worship life of the early church. Just a little insight. Oh, I can't imagine this happening in the States. (laughs) That's why I'm preaching a 12-point message this morning to see who falls asleep. (laughs) But Paul's not here, and I'm not an apostle, so I'd recommend you not. But we don't have any three-story windows, so we're doing okay there. But when you look at this, it gives you this insight to this early... Church worship. There was a hunger to be together. There was a hunger to fellowship together, to eat of the Lord's Supper together, to participate together. There was a hunger, most of all, for the Word of God as they sat there for 12 to 20 hours, however long it was, listening to the Word of God being open, discussed, preached, and teached. What a blessing! What a blessing. Paul was about to leave the next day. And so they knew that this was the last time Paul was about to leave and not come back, and so they knew this was the last time to hear Paul preach. And so they came all night long to the next day and heard the Word of God. Is that where we are? Is that where we are as a nation? Is there Christians in our nation that are willing to come and hear the Word of God all night long because they're so hungry for hearing the Word of God? Oh Lord, help us get there we too must recognize the importance of gathering together and that's why I think it's crucial that we do all we can I know I can't stand these mass church I can't I can't stand the social distancing not hugging not shaking hands it just drives me crazy is absolutely out of my character and y'all know that but as I come and I seek the Lord I think gathering together is so important that I want to do everything I can to make a person that feels more vulnerable and more scared to be able to come together and feel safe. I think gathering together is that important, church. Amen? That we can do whatever we can to help others gather together with us. The fourth answer to this question, We, what are we supposed to do now? Fourth answer, we must also know that taking some time to seek God in isolation is a good thing. Look at verse 13. Right after the corporate gathering, Paul immediately, it says in verse 13, he says, Then we went, which is Luke talking, he says, We went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asus, and then intending to take Paul on board, for he... For so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And so what happens here is Paul sends the team ahead to get on the ship and go 30 miles on sea to get to this place that he was going to, which would take him 20 miles to walk. He says, y'all go ahead, I'm going to go by myself. Now, I read this and I thought, Paul, are you crazy? You just preached the longest message you've ever probably preached in your life, and now you're going to walk 20 miles by yourself? But then I thought, you know, what's he doing during those 20 miles? And I just, I believe that he's following our Lord's example in in these dedicated times of seeking our Heavenly Father in isolation. And I know isolation is not a word we like right now. But there's a blessing in seeking the Lord in isolation. Dedicated times in seeking the Lord in isolation, just as Jesus, our Lord, did. So we too, let's follow this example, taking those isolated walks. You know, taking those walks and praying by myself sometimes are the most glorious times because I feel like I can discern the Spirit so much in those just quieting the world and and seeking Him. The fifth answer to the question, what are we supposed to do now? We must know that tough decisions have to be made at times. And so Paul's going to have to make a tough decision. He has to pass Ephesus because he doesn't have time. He wants to get to Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after the Passover. It's coming in close here, and he's got to get there, so he passes Ephesus. Look at it in verse 14. And when he met us at Asis, we took him on board and came to Methylene, and we sailed from there, and the next day came to Chios. The following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Troglium, the next day we came to Malta and for Paul had declared or decided to sell past Ephesus so that he would have not have to spend time in Asia for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem if possible on the day of Pentecost. From Malta he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And it's easy for us to read right past this and just kind of breeze through it and think, "Yeah, he didn't have enough time, so he, he's just going to pass Ephesus and he's going to go on." But there's so much more that I want us to see here. This had to be a tough decision for Paul. He just spent three years with them. He just spent three years of investing their lives with one another and and, and eating and and worshiping together and, and seeing each other's hearts change and watching all that. He spent three years doing this, and now he's got to pass up all those brothers and sisters in which he loved dearly because he had to get to Jerusalem. He was bound by the Spirit, we hear later. He had to get to Jerusalem. So what does he do? He passes them up, but he... Sends for the elders of the church, the pastors of the church, to come on down uh, to Miletus. And so they do, they come down. But I want to just pause and say, I believe we too have to make tough decisions sometimes. If we want to yield to the Spirit and be obedient to the Spirit, we have to make tough decisions sometimes. And, and they're not always favored by all. And, 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 but we have to do it to be obedient to the Spirit. And sometimes you don't know the right answer. There's times when there's tough decisions before me and I don't really know the right answer. And so what do we do in those times? Well, the only thing I know to do is to trust the Lord with a genuine heart. Trust the Lord with a genuine heart. But there's other times that I know without a shadow of a doubt and I have 100% peace with the decision that I'm supposed to make, but it's still a very, very tough one. We have to make tough decisions sometimes. The sixth answer to this question, what am I supposed to do now? We must remember that genuinely serving the Lord comes with humility, tears, and trials. So we see this uh, as he spends the rest of the time in this pa- chapter of talking to the Ephesian elders. So look at it with me, verse 18. If you're there, say amen. No one's facing the nod yet, are they? Okay chapter 18 or chapter 20 verse 18 and when they had come to him he said to them you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I have always lived among you serving the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me uh, by plotting of the Jews now I think just to stop there it's it's good to reflect for a moment and think about how we're serving the Lord because we should be serving the Lord amen and so why are we serving the Lord? How are we serving the Lord? Is it with all humility? When we are serving the Lord, can we honestly take a step back and say, this is because of wanting to exalt the name of Christ alone? Or is there any sense of pride and self-exaltation that comes in that? Because I know the battle. It's there. Pride seeps in. It's hard. And so it's a, constant, it's a good reminder constantly to step back and say, is this done with all humility? Like, am I really taking myself out of this and really glorifying the Lord? Then with all tears, how about tears through serving the Lord? Recently, has the brokenness of our world brought you all to tears? Has it brought us to tears to look around and see the brokenness? Has it brought us to tears to look around and see God's mercy and grace still in the midst of it? Lastly, have you recognized the trials that come through serving the Lord? And when you recognize them, do they bring you to a place of complaining or to a place of dependence on the Lord. I believe serving Him genuinely happens with humility, tears, and trials. The seventh answer, what am I supposed to do now? Seventh, we yield to the Spirit and letting our witness point all people to repentance toward God and to faith toward our Lord Christ Jesus. Shown right through Paul's mouth. Look at verse 20. How I kept back nothing, he said. That was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks, to all repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is something we see Paul do from the very beginning of his ministry. And through all of his letters, we see this desire to see people saved by grace through faith over and over and over again. he testifies for repentance and faith. And so my simple reminder for us this morning that I feel like God's given us in his word is, in the midst of everything going on, the division and all the things we're talking about, when we find ourselves in that crowd of angry, wrathful, confused people, is everything we're doing a good witness to all people, not just to the ones like us, but to all people for repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ? And that's a hard question because there's a lot of people that are watching Are we giving a witness that points toward repentance and faith or to arrogance and pride or anything else? Amen? The eighth answer here, going right off of this one. We should move according to the direction of the Spirit, even if it means tribulation waits. Verse 22, and see, now I go bound, there's that word, I bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that happened to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. I always find this, um, this, this part standing out to me because he says, I'm bound Church, do you you feel that way when the Spirit's speaking to you and you're yielding to the Spirit that it is so strong at times that it's literally like a bound, like you're bound? Like like Lord, I know this is you speaking so much that I really feel like I there's nothing else I want to do or can do. Like this, this is it. Like this is how much I'm hearing your spirit. Lord, I want to be there right now. (laughs) Amen. Where, where we can be bound to the spirit and then he goes on and says i don't know what waits me ahead except for i've sensed enough by the spirit that it's probably chains and tribulations he says but i go anyways look at this next part of it the ninth answer what am i supposed to do now we're to recognize that to walk in christ is to walk selflessly This carried on from the last point. He says, I don't know what lies ahead except for tribulations and chains. And he picks up in verse 24 and he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul basically says this walk in Christ is not about me or my life. It is about him and his gospel message. What a good reminder for us today. That everything going on in the political field, in the church field, in our work field, the secular field, whatever it is that we're facing, to recognize that in the end of the day, it is not about you or me. It is about the message of Christ. May the message of Christ go forward. May we recognize this. The tenth answer. What am I supposed to do now? Remember that God has purchased us, the church, with His own blood. Paul wraps up this and reminds the elders of the responsibility as we come to a close here. Verse 25, he says, And indeed now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. He says, I'm not going to see you anymore. Verse twenty. 6. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which was purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for those three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. What is Paul saying here? He says, I've given it all to you. My life But more importantly, the gospel, the whole counsel of God. I've declared it to you. I've held nothing back. You've heard the message of Jesus. He says, now I'm leaving. And you're the pastors that God has put over the church in Ephesus. He says, you go back and you shepherd that flock. You protect them. You feed them. And you keep them from harm's way. Because there's wolves coming. Even people amidst us right now will stand up and say perverse things, he says. So what is he saying? He's saying, let me remind you of the responsibility you have as a pastor. I told you this is my prayer this week. And this is God's answer to my prayer. Lord, what am I supposed to do? You know what he's telling me? Shepherd. Pastor. Feed. Guard. Protect. That's a call to every pastor right now, but... I want you to know that I take this passage very seriously as your pastor I'm called to oversee this flock through the Holy Spirit of course and I'm to shepherd this flock the one right here that God has purchased with his own blood and boy uh, you ever had somebody give you something that's really nice like i this week we were I did officiated a wedding and he gave me his car to use because he was going to be out of town and the whole week I'm just terrified that I'm going to break something on this car or my wreck it or something you know someone gives you something that, that's nice and you don't want to mess around with it. Imagine that the Lord saying, here's my bride that I've purchased with my own blood. Now you take care of it. That's the weight that's the responsibility that God has placed on pastors. And so I'm asking you, now the weight alone's not on me. He's given me wonderful deacons to help serve the church and y'all to help minister to one another and equip the saints so that we all are doing the work of the ministry. I know that it's not, but the responsibility at the end of the day is heavy on my heart. And I need y'all's prayers. I need y'all's um, encouragement and support. Amen. Not just me, every pastor in our community. Why don't you text to reach out to another pastor this week? Just say, hey, I know um, things are hard right now with trialing in the churches in our community, and I'm praying for you. I know you're not my pastor, but you're a pastor in the kingdom of God. Y'all do that with me? The key that he gives the final thing here, second to the final thing Eleventh answer, recognize that we are entrusted to God in the word of his grace. He says, this is how you do it. He says in verse 32, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands have provided my necessities. And for those who are with me, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive the key here he says depend on God in the word of his grace he says that it's him and his grace that will lift us up that will build us up that reminds us of the inheritance we have he says then reflect his grace by caring for the weak by supporting the weak and by by um, being more concerned with giving than receiving And finally, the last thing, what am I supposed to do? Remember to pray together and to truly love one another. That sounds simple, but it's so hard sometimes, isn't it? To pray together and truly love one another. I'm not saying fake love. To truly agape, self-sacrifice, and put someone before yourself. And say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. May we do that together. Look at verse 36. This is one of the most heartwarming passages in Acts. Verse 36, it says, And when he had said these things, he's about to leave. Paul's about to leave and never see him again. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And then all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to his ship. Paul had spent three years investing his life into them and they into Paul as well. It's not just a one-way thing. And he's about to go to Jerusalem, about to go to Rome from there after he's arrested and be killed. The last time they were going to see him, what happens? Paul gets on his knees and he prays for him, And they pray together. And then they surround him, hug him and kiss him. Now church, I don't want any kisses today. <laughs> don't, don't kiss me. Unless it's a holy kiss of of, of love and i'll take that but would we love one another truly and genuinely what are we supposed to do now know that our plans change god's providence does not We work together as partners of the gospel. We must recognize that gathering together is important. We must also know that taking some time to seek God in isolation is a good thing. We must know that tough decisions have to be made at times. We must remember that genuinely serving the Lord comes with humility, tears, and trials. We yield to the Spirit in letting our witness point all people to repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We should move according to the direction of the Spirit even if it means tribulations wait. We are to recognize that to walk in Christ is to walk selflessly. Remember Remember that God has purchased us the church with his own blood recognize that we are entrusted to God and also to the word of his grace and remember to pray together and truly love one another I hope as you've been asking the same question I've been asking Lord what am I supposed to do now I pray that he has flooded you with 12 answers this morning Twelve different answers that he flooded my own heart with, that he had flooded you with them, and that your heart would be impacted. And these all twelve things are applications. They're ways we take and leave this place today and say, Lord, help me take this step. I know what I'm supposed to do now. May we not leave confused like the, the, the riding mob that's, that's just uh, speaking things and not knowing what's going on. May we leave with the mission because we know the God that we serve and that he will provide. Can you all do that with me today? So I want to end a little differently. Tammy's going to play piano. I want to just pray. Let's just end in prayer today. So I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray for y'all. And that's... Open it up. Whoever wants to pray, let's pray this morning. Let's seek the Lord together. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you can come. If you can't get down on your knees, there's some chairs over here. If you want to go to the cross and sit on a chair and pray, maybe you just need to get out of your pew and out of your comfort and just get to the place where you can find Jesus the best. And say, here I am, Lord. I need you because I know what I'm supposed to do now. But I need your help in doing it. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I just cry out, Lord. Lord, for Your mercy and Your grace upon us, upon me, my soul, my heart, Lord. Lord, You know who I am. The depth of darkness that can even be within myself, Lord. God, I pray for us as a church, Lord, that You would surround us with Your holy arms, God. Lord, as we sung the song, come to the altar and there you are with arms open, Lord. I pray that that's a reality felt this morning, Lord. Lord, as people are getting up if they want, Lord, and coming to the altar, going to the seat and just simply crying out before you this morning, let them do it now, Lord. But more than anything, may our hearts be moved this morning, Jesus. Lord, our hearts be moved away from ourselves, God. Lord, we live in such a selfish culture. And God, I pray that the light of Jesus breaks through that. Lord, break through and show me your grace, Lord. The message of grace. Lord, I pray for us as a church, those here today, those watching online, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would be commended to you. We'd be entrusted to you, Lord. Entrusted and commended to the word of your grace, just as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, Lord. God, I ask for mercy on our nation, Lord, as we are in such distress, confusion, Lord. God, bring about, Lord, your mercy and your grace, and may it even be your wrath, Lord. God, help us in the midst of this COVID stuff, Lord. Lord, it's so hard to know the right steps sometimes, but Lord, we're going to trust you, and we're going to know that you provide, just as you've shared with us today. We lean to you, Lord. May we continue to cry out this morning. Lord, as we hear the very uh, music playing, God, of the song, Lord, I need you. God, may that be our cry today. That we simply need you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we ask that as we leave this place, that we would know exactly what we are to do now. May you be glorified and exalted, Lord, lifted high. And may we reflect your mercy, your grace, and your love on one another, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.